You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of our Mandalorian recaps here on For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. It is Connor, Don, and Andrew here to talk about the premiere of Season 3, Chapter 17, The Apostate. It's been two years since we've had Mando in our lives, well, the show itself. It's been a little over a year since uh, the Book of Boba Fett now. But it still feels like it's been a while since we were back in this, like, Mandoverse. And, like, people have questioned, like, oh, like, how has it held up compared to, say, Obi-Wan or Andor? But there was just something about going back to, like, the truly fun, pulpy action serial side of Star Wars that I just ate up with a spoon the whole time. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed this episode a whole bunch overall. And there was just a bunch of little moments in this episode. Like the overall story, I really liked. And I thought it was a strong way to start off the season. Really did a, a good job at showing us what's coming with this season. Uh, and, and where they're going to be going with the whole Mandalore thing. But there was just those little things throughout the entire episode that I just ate up and loved. And I was like, you know what? I, I do love the Mandoverse. And I... I I feel like I didn't do the show justice uh, with a rewatch beforehand. And I know a lot of people were rewatching season one and season two. And I probably should have. I was really considering it. But I haven't gone back and rewatched any of the live action projects yet aside from uh, Kenobi that we've had on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and even Kenobi, I only watched about half of it before I got distracted and... Uh, did other things uh, instead of finishing the rewatch. I, I did rewatch chapter five and chapter six two or three times a piece, though. So I will. Oh yeah, I will be completely up same there. Um, I've watched that like at least five times. Yeah, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Andrew, about like uh, just how nice it is to just like step back into this corner of Star Wars again. Like you know, just the second that the Ludwig Granson theme just kicked in and the title card. And oh my god! It was yeah, just like yeah, Mando's back, baby. The minute is, the end credits a- theme hit. I was like, yes, here we go. Art, yeah. And there's some oh, interesting stuff, it. just like some differences with the post credit scene, the, the, the credits that I just would be, that I'm interested to like bring up. But like, I think what I really appreciate about this, uh, this premiere episode of series three is that, uh, it's very familiar, but it's already clear, like, uh, that there is that there is a shift that there has been a shift in like not just the uh the story but the storytelling there's like this is like a lot bigger than certain episodes have been before like i feel like the technology is really starting to uh they're really starting to stretch the capabilities of what the volume can do and there's a lot more pairing it with practical uh sets like the brilliant throne room on kalavala and the uh and also like just the whole uh navarro setup was just like brilliant yeah, I know it's never gonna happen, but it would be really cool if we got Navarro as like an alternate Galaxy's Edge park. That would that be would be sweet. pretty sweet. Yeah, like because we already have Mando. I I doubt it'll happen because Mando's at Galaxy's Edge now. But like, it would be super cool if there was like a Navarro at like say Disney World. I mean, 
I feel like they're kind of missing a trick, like you know, different, yeah. different kind of like Galaxy's Edge type. Res like I, I was pitching parts. on TikTok that they should do a like park version of 79's The Clone Bar from The Clone Wars, like at the parks. Nice touch. I think that would be sweet. So, <laughs> so I, I I I totally like agree with you there. I, again, someone showed like. Like just a flashback of what Navarro was like the first time we saw it in season one compared to how we see it in season three, and it's just completely different now. Uh, Grief Cargo really has things thriving there, which I will I, I can't wait to talk about our new high magistrate because there are certain little things, one in particular that I loved about seeing Grief again. Uh, yeah. but Don did pitch that we just briefly go over what we thought about the first two seasons, and I guess chapter five and six of uh, Book of Boba because those were the really Din-centric episodes uh, because we haven't talked really at length about Mando here uh, on this podcast because we uh, we weren't a thing when season one and season two were airing and then we started like right after Book of Boba Fett finished up. We, like, we started our Clone Wars coverage right around... A month or so, I would say, after Book of Boba Fett season one wrapped, or season one, it might be the only season. Who knows? But um, overall, Hopefully I mean, season two. again, it, it does feel so weird that it's only been what, like, three or four years since the show started. Because in a way, it feels like it's been around for a while. Uh, yeah. Just because, like what the Star Wars fandom was like in a pre-Grogu capitalism world is an interesting thing to think about because the little bugger's been around for a while now. Yeah, I mean, I, exactly. I, I, I do... I, 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 the show's awesome. I, I think it's a blast. Uh, season one does have a lot of those, like, episode of the week type of stories um, that, that you know, people will get on The Bad Batch for. But I think it... it Mando, I think, handled it a little bit better even though there are about two or three episodes in season one that I'm not overly fond of season two, uh, I thought was a big step up. I know some people go the other way with that, but I, I personally enjoyed season two way more. There were a couple bumpy ones in there as well, but like the Marshall, the heiress, the Jedi and the rescue are, I think maybe the top four episodes of the whole show. They're, they're just fantastic episodes. Um, and I, I love the way that the, the show is handled the way of, People will get on Favreau and Filoni now for, you know, quote unquote cameos, even though you know, half the time they're not cameos. But I love the way that season one was mainly standalone, introduced its own characters. And then once we had a full season, we started bringing in, oh, hey, here's Bo-Katan, here's Ahsoka, here's, you know, Luke at the end to like add stuff to the story. And that's what, you know, the animated shows did. That's what Rebels did. They introduced their cast in the first season and then... Once season two started is when you started getting, like, Ahsoka showing up. Although, I guess Lando did show up in Rebels season one, but, like, those early Rebels episodes are kind of, like, weird, where it's like, oh, we got to help out R2-D2 and 3PO. But, like, yeah, once we got feeling into, like, the tone out. Yeah, yeah. Once we got into the main story is when they started bringing more stuff in from Clone Wars. Uh, so, I, I think Mando did the same thing. And then a Book of Boba Fett, uh, we can have the conversation of whether or not those Mando episodes were truly, like, good for the show overall but i think we can save that for another day uh chapter five of that one the one that bryce directed bryce dallas howard uh that is is my 
uh, one of my favorite episodes of Star Wars TV ever. I think it's fantastic. Same. I think it's absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> and then Chapter 6 had the really cool ending with Cobb and uh, Cad Bane. So overall, those episodes, I think, were strong standalones. Whether or not they helped or hurt the narrative Book of Boba Fett, we can have that conversation another time. It is just not this show, um, is what I will say. Uh, but I, I, I love the story of Din. I love that he, like, there are points in this episode, even in this episode and, and then through the early seasons, where he's, like, talking about, like, oh, with the, the scene with IG-11. It's like, oh, he's he's stuck in his original programming, or he's reverting default, back to his old yeah, ways. Yeah, he's or defaulted that's back what, to his original programming. Where yeah, that is what, what a line. Din, that's what Din is kind of doing himself because he finally has that moment of purpose at the end of season two where he takes his helmet off and now he's like reverting like i have to go back to the way of mandalore i have to redeem myself i have to go to the mines so the story of din and how he's evolved as a character in so many different ways i've loved and hats off to pedro pascal and all the other people that bring the character to life because yeah i I love the show Um, quality well, I'm going to like come in here and say like I I kind of echo a lot of what you're saying really with season 1 and season 2 because like I was already kind of excited for the Mandalorian when it first hit but then like when it became clear what the show was about I it did that kind of thing that Star Wars is so good at where it does the other thing from what you're expecting. We all thought this was just going to be like a oh a gritty hard-bitten show about like a you know a badass bounty hunter who's really cold and ruthless and just hunts down all these all these different people and it's morally gray nah literally by the end of the first episode he finds this child and it becomes this far more heartfelt narrative like this explorate this lone wolf and cub style story that just like uh explores the theme of religious trauma like which is a fascinating subject for star wars to explore and the fact that it's not even like like the fact that the jedi are an ancillary part of this series is like is incredible because you have such an interesting idea with the different Mando covert Mandalorian coverts and their different ideologies. And, you know, I like that, like the show has been able to go from carving out its own little corner in the star Wars galaxy to then meshing so well with the rest of star Wars canon. Like everyone was like, Oh, uh, you know, this thing about them taking their helmets off, it doesn't mesh with other Mandalorians we've seen before. And then they addressed that and it made perfect sense. And it, it furthered the themes of the story. And, you know, I, I'm going to also agree that like season two uh, was a step up for me because I felt like the guest spots from the characters like Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, also Luke were like really well handled. You know, you know, I know some people grouse about Luke showing up at the end, but it, it, you know, it really hit for me personally. It's probably the most the rescue. I think is the is the piece of Star Wars media I have cried at the most pre chapter six of Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, like, and then like, sorry to interrupt, but Cav Van too. Like that was the first time we we saw it was like. Hey, characters from books and comics can start yeah. showing up in these shows. Yeah, like, and nothing is being ignored there. Like, everything, everything is is it was shown to be kind of relevant. The the books, the movies, the the shows, it all felt like it fit in the same kind of hole. And I was really impressed at season two for making all of that coalesce together and for having such a really emotional finale with the separation of like Din and Grogu, which is just a Din Din is a fa- is a great character. Like it would have been very easy for him to like fall under the sh- fall under the shadow of other Mandalorians like Boba Fett and Bo-Katan. But you know, because you've got like the incredible Pedro Pascal, fantastic actor. You know, as we're seeing in both this and The Last of Us and other other shows that he's been in, he's 
he's really given the character a life of it, of his own, like where he feels like he can stand shoulder to shoulder with Boba and Bo-Katan and not feel like a lesser character, uh, even though he's been around not nearly as long as these as this lot. And and he's he's you know, we've seen him go from like this humble humble bounty hunter to like potentially being the like. Uh, the the one who will unite the clans with the dark saber whether he winds up doing that it's just it's an interesting position to have like put him in and to have him be this like surrogate father to grogu is just it's it's been easily the beating heart of the show i know some people weren't fond of the fact that they reunited so quickly but i i liked the way they handled it i feel like making it about grogu's journey like his choice to be with din rather than like uh him just being sort of passed around like a prop I, I i appreciate that the emotion the reunion was emotional and it's it's really nice to see them like united together again because since we're probably headed into darker territory now because we're going to be exploring like the trauma of what the empire did to mandalore we're going to be exploring the fractious nature of the different coverts uh but so yeah that's my overall kind of like somewhat jumbled thoughts on the uh on the two seasons of book of Boba Fett. Oh, and, he, and he has an n1 starfighter i keep always yes. forget to mention the n1 starfighter they gave him an n1 yeah, starfighter yeah. like chapter five i i love like as much as it as it does kind of interrupt the structure i just love that it i just think it's a really well-made piece of star wars television and you know the fact that they gave him an, an n1 starfighter one of my favorite like ships in all of star wars it's just got such a beautiful design you know doug chang mm -hmm brilliant design man uh it, it's just yeah it, the whole episode just works basically i uh, yeah uh connor uh i like mando it's pretty good um but like over the past few years <laughs> i've really noticed that like my cup of tea with star wars is the jedi and the force yeah and like obviously star wars can't survive just on one thing no, it just can't. It can't survive on one thing. It can't survive on one creative. There needs to be different voices in all of Star Wars for it to just grow and thrive and evolve. And I realize two of those words are pretty much the same, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, I've enjoyed Mando for what it is. Sometimes it's a little hard to get into it, but also I yeah. think it's mainly because of the fact that like, I just need to step away from Twitter. <laughs> I like, think that would do us all a lot yeah. of favors at points. Like one thing yeah. I will say about this show is I think it's both overrated and underrated by the fandom at the same time. If that makes any sense, no, no, it does. no I, I know what you're driving at. Yeah, that's like Mando. It's the only good thing Disney's done. It's just, this is Favreau, Filoni, and our saviors. So that makes me feel like, oh my god, like I'm just I'm sick of this fucking show. Like I'd rather watch <laughs> anything else. But then I watch it and I'm like, no, like this show is actually really good. I can't let yeah. these fucking people Dude, get that to me. Was with when I rewatched season one, mm -hmm. like in like August of 2020, I think it was. Uh, I just decided to rewatch it on a whim, not on a whim. I think I was preparing for season two, and Probably. I was like, dang. Season one's pretty freaking solid. I haven't done the same thing for season two. Uh, I probably won't because just life in general has been really hectic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I enjoy I enjoy for what it is. Um, it's obviously just it's never going to be like my top tier, yeah, like consistent Star Wars. But like there are episodes and moments within them within every episode that I'm like, that was cool. 
There's two we're going to get into that I really loved. Yeah, Indeed. I I will agree with you there where if hypothetically if this was the only Star Wars we were getting right now, like in the streaming age, I would be a little upset too. And I'd be like, well, this like I like this show, but obviously my preferences or the stuff I really gravitate towards uh, are are missing. So I'm going to be missing that. So I'm glad that like the first two seasons we had Mando was really like the only thing we were getting. Yeah, now that it was we the have encourage point. Our Obi-Wans, our Andors, our Bad Batches at the same time we're getting like Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew later this year. And we're hopefully uh, starting at Celebration, going to start getting some more movies soon. It's going to uh, help us out and and really like and, give and Survivor. A, a more. Yeah, and Survivor. It's going to give us more of a variety of uh Star Wars content. So now, with that out of the way, let's get into the apostate. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa you had directed this episode. He directed, I believe, three or he directed four this episodes. one, and he's yeah. directing the penultimate episode in the finale. Yeah, so he's yeah, doing three I, this season, and I think he did. Did he do two in season one and did, one in season two? Or am I getting that he did, wrong? He did two in season one and one in season two. Yeah, he, he did he the did, uh, chapter uh, two. Chapter uh, seven, I believe. Yeah, he or, did no, the one that's chapter six. Yeah, he did the one with he did both of the ones with Bill Burr. So, like, and then he did the one episode with he did the Believer episode, which was like should have felt probably a little minor compared to the to the last two episodes. And yet, it, it was a really awesome episode. The Believer like, was know. the the one with Mayfeld in season two, right? Because Mayfeld, did that yeah, one. yeah, yeah, and the did train do... and like. Who did the one that Quill died in? Was that was that Deborah? That was Deborah Chow. Yes. Okay, I thought that was Rick, but I I, I got him wrong. I like how I'm just referring to them on a first name basis. Oh yeah, Deborah. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Deborah. Um, but we Dave, John, buddies. Now, real quickly, I just gotta say, <laughs> Apple Podcast put out a tweet saying, "Which podcast would Grogu be most likely to guest on?" Guys, I got some news. We have a little guest for the show tonight. Oh wow. Hey. <laughs> so uh oh from the mandalorian grogu is here for our audio listeners um we got the big guests here guys uh so he's migrated from uh over on my desk to here uh and he'll stay here until i find it annoying um so we start things off and oh by the way i just I would have died laughing if Connor's whole thing about Mando was just, yeah, I like it. It's pretty cool. And then just moved on. Um, But we start this off and we see like the armor and a group of Mandalorians kind of knighting this new kid into their their cult. It wasn't Din, but a part of me was just like gaslighting myself. Oh, I was going to say the first three minutes of this episode, I thought it was a flashback until the N1 came into shot. And I was like, okay, that's young dinner because I was like, there's no way that there's this many Mandalorians like already. No, because the only reason I knew it wasn't, I kind of figured it wasn't Dan. It was like, this kid's too white. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and, too um, white and he sounds a bit annoying. And it, turns, like, and it turns out Whistler, that yeah. kid played the Tuscan kid in Book of Boba. Oh, uh, that's so cool. So that's I'm cool. So- that that's is really um, cool. Also, if we're gonna do like little trivia notes here, someone pointed out trivia right there. The helmet, the the helmet that the armorer designs for him, it has a wider visor which matches the the Mand- the Boba Fett and Mandalorian like helmets for kids. Which which 
some people might say that that's a bit cynical, but I personally love it because it it makes it more immersive for any kid, like putting on those kind of helmets and imagining themselves as a Mandalorian, because then they get to see that and they're like, oh yeah, no, this is actually I I do I feel like a Mandalorian. A Mandalorian. Yeah, exactly. But that whole opening was really good. Like I, I kind of oh, clocked that it wasn't a flashback when uh, I saw Paz Vizsla because I I was maybe wondering about it with the armorer, but. It was a really well done scene because you know Rip Fami was showing how good he is with action scenes. There was some like really cool blocking uh, with a lot of the shots with the, and framing as well. Like that shot of the that that shot where it, you have the Mandalorian flying away and the camera appears mounted on his helmet as he flies away is just like absolutely gorgeous. I loved mm. it. And we're continuing the theme of like giant freaking monsters yeah. uh, menacing people with John this, Favreau like... loves his giant monsters. Exactly, he yeah. Throws like them in there all the time. Like I wondered for like a split second if there was a if if it was the empire attacking them, uh but then it was like I was so I was very surprised when the giant like turtle alligator thing came out of the water yeah. and I think they call it crunching a on some mandos or a shark turtle in the the <laughs> subtitle. So uh but Again, I love the way it was framed where like it could have been a flashback. It might it uh, could be in present time. Again, it was just the the fact the presence of all the other like Mandalorians there threw me off because everything we'd seen yeah. in the prior two seasons were how their numbers have been dwindling. So as the armor found more people, as she recruited more people into uh the watch, like who knows? I guess we'll find them out. I do like a lot of the different looking armor though. I yeah. part of me was like some of them was like it felt a little bit like just dudes in costumes, but at the other time, I'm at the same time, I'm like, no, these are cool. I'm just not used to these looks yet. So yeah. But then when Din wasn't shows there up, a story? Wasn't there a ahead. story about how? Yeah, thank you. Sorry, wasn't there a story about like them bringing in fans yes. with like their co- yeah? So I think so that's season probably one. It yeah. was the five of first, yeah. right? Five of first, yeah. They didn't have enough stormtrooper costumes for the Gideon scene in I think yeah. chapter seven. So they brought in the 501st who yeah. had the, the costumes and, and brought them there and they got to be and in they, the episode. So and they did it, the same with chapter five of Obi-Wan, I believe, as well. Like the big the siege on Jabim. I believe that that happened that they brought in the 501st Legion again. That's so awesome, I yeah, they keep doing they, that. Yeah, it's just a really nice engagement with fans. I I, yeah. I just it's just a non non-toxic way to engage with people, yeah. which is just great. Uh I also so, so they definitely, I feel like, yeah, it definitely felt like they brought some fans on with like their own personal designs, which just, it made every Mando feel more unique, which is nice. Like there's just not, there's not a uniform uh, look to the covert yeah. because it, it it makes them feel a bit more scrappy and like they're just all sort of like coming from different corners, but it also Less kind like, of- like a cooler version yeah. of Stormtroopers, like they have yeah. their own uniqueness. Uh, and it and, reinforces and the theme stuff. as well because we're mm-hmm. getting into the theme of like you know how there, despite the iconic catchphrase being "this is the way," there is always more than one way, and that's what we're kind of mm-hmm. getting into here. That's what we're having realizing each Mandalorian look distinct, season. exactly, and having each Mandalorian look distinct reinforces that theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love the way that the end one just comes in a frame. Yeah. Starts taking out the monster, and then you just see Din, and, and then Grogu pop his head in through the little, Perfect. the little thing. I was like, "Ah, oh, this is awesome!" But then, and then of the course, title card, yeah, the the title card, great title, the apostate, uh, just totally representing Din at this point and what he feels. And of course, the armor, just nothing. Just he's like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I just saved you." 
you're not a Mandalorian anymore. You took off your helmet. And then it, this is the ep- this is the point in the episode where they they do the uh, let, let's fill you in if you missed uh, if you've been if you either forgot or if you missed the book of Boba Fett. Let's fill you in. One thing I did find strange though is when they did their whole previously on the Mandalorian thing, they brought in some stuff from Book of Boba Fett, but not the fact that Grogu was back with Din. They just kind of ignored the fact that he left yeah. in season two. And then like there's one line later with grief and, and, and Din where he's just like, yeah, I'm, I thought you finished your quest. Yeah, I did. He came back. And it was just like, Din okay. Din practically like, looks into the camera and says that line. Yeah, he's, he's like, like mm, he's back. It's complicated. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, they don't, they didn't need to explain it because really, like, the way that the book of Boba Fett was marketed, like, you probably, like, you should have known that you needed to watch it if you were a fan I mean, of The Mandalorian. They but, teased it right at the end yeah. of The Mandalorian. And, like, like they pretty was... much stated, I think the thing, too, that a lot of people are, are forgetting, which I don't blame it because they didn't really stress it in the marketing, was that, like, this was ba- Book of Boba was like Mando 1.5. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure they said that at one point and they just didn't stress it, but like that's not. Kathleen not Kennedy did false. refer to it as the next chapter in the story, really. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, like. It was best to look at it like a, a comic book miniseries that they, that, you know, like Marvel or DC often do to like table set before they relaunch characters or start a new run with a different, yeah. with a different mm-hmm. creative team. And I can but, see why people like maybe passed on it because they didn't think Manda was going to be in it because Pedro Pascal and Din Djarin weren't marketed for the season until his episode. Exactly. That was just kind of a surprise uh, when they teased him at the end of, I think, chapter four when they played the Mando theme. And then he just shows up at the beginning of chapter five and kind of takes over the show for two weeks. Uh, so I, I, I could totally see why. And again, it's like, oh, why have this big decision in not his show but if all these shows are going to be connected and you're going to try to do the MCU interconnected universe type of thing with this Mandoverse stuff, uh, you you could probably expect big, thing, big things to happen in any of these shows now since they've set the precedent that, hey, we can have this big Mandalorian plot point solved in one of the spinoff shows. Uh, and, and again, you can have the question of whether or not it's a good idea. We're not here to have that conversation. We're just here to <laughs> talk about the death on Twitter. It's I been done to much. death. Like, no, we don't want to get into it. Um, the but, only yeah. thing I am going to address from Twitter is that I, I feel like this show, the, this season, like this premiere episode, it kind of exemplifies that there is kind of a reductionist argument that kind of frames this story as like this series as just being the John and Dave show. Like it's just John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And I think the fact that Rick Famuyi was more involved now, he's a producer and you've had these different recurring directors putting their own, their own like uh, spins on like the characters and stuff. And even like that had them play characters themselves. I think it's more of a, it's a lot more complicated than just those these two guys. Like uh, Twitter and reduction, reduction. I can't even speak today. Reduction. It just, I, Reductionism. Reductionism. reductionism reductionism like what What else is there yeah twitter and reductionism what, what else you know yeah. a match made in heaven basically yeah or hell in but, this case yeah it's really you can feel like uh rick family was like 
influence on this like or, like he because he said he's he's he loves digging in he loves playing with like uh with aliens with like 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 exploring like literally the little the little guys the little weirdos of the galaxy like he did it with the jowers and we yeah, see it later on with the anzellans exactly yeah. yeah uh but yeah you're absolutely right about um the stuff with the armor it's really interesting and it kind of parallels bo as well because it's the same kind of response she had with Boba Fett at the end of season two. Like Boba Fett has helped, uh, has helped Din uh, track down Moff Gideon. Uh, if anything, he's helping Bo-Katan as well because he's bring he's helping bring her to Moff Gideon. And her first response on hearing his voice was to say, "You are not a Mandalorian." So there's a lot of, despite them being opposing, there's a lot of paralleling between. Uh, uh, Bo-Katan and the Armorer and the different kind of like philosophies, which which we also see later on when we visit Kalevala. Yeah, and it, it's a a little thing, but I do love the fact that starting with this episode, Katie Sackhoff is also billed as starring, not just Pedro. And first not, time like, that's happened. Yeah, so yeah. I, I really like that to just show that like this season is just as much Bo-Katan season as it is Din's, and that's. Uh, kind of brought to life by the the marketing that I, I really loved like the dual posters that we got yesterday were yeah the that dark saber worth one half it's been one half it's uh bo katan i i, I mommy mother and father and their little, and father their little baby arguing yeah. over the sword yeah uh but again i just love the the little like armor like she's just not budging at all you need to go to the mines go to the, or like the mines don't exist and he's like but i think they do and then she's like, all right, go there then, you little bitch or something. Like, I, she just <laughs> is so done. I was genuinely it. surprised with the fact that, like, she was just done with it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, she's so disinterested yeah. in trying to take back Mandalore. Obviously, yeah. I don't think that'll be the case forever. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will be. Who knows? Um, but, like, I just, that is not what I expected at all. I thought she was going to be, like, kind of like still like kind of in that same vein that she is now but like still kind of also like i kind of want to retake it i just don't have the forces yeah and it's just like like, nope the two characters you'd expect the most to want to do that being bokatan and being the armor just want nothing to do with it right now and din is just so like like we mentioned earlier he all he cares about is just making sure that the armor accepts him again and that he's accepted back into the only thing he knows about being a Mandalorian. We saw this with Book of Boba Fett where he just kind of, after he loses Grogu, he just kind of goes back to being a bounty hunter because it's the only thing he knows how to do. And it ends up being a little different. It ends up being a little choppy. I'm wondering if we're going to see the same thing where season two, we kind of see Din like interact with other Mandalorians, interact with Costa Reeves and Bo-Katan and become more of his own person or like realize like, you know, the connection he has with Grogu. And that's really more of what it is than him just being another Mandalorian. I wonder now that he's like trying to force that back in and just like, no, I need to redeem myself. I need to go to the mines. And it's just going to be an obsession kind of thing. Where eventually he's gonna realize, no, you know, I don't need, I don't need this. I if I'm a, I'm a Mandalorian. If I say I'm a Mandalorian, and I don't need this cult controlling me, but she does kind of like, oh, if the mines still are there, they're gonna be in Sundari, which again 
Rebels a Clone Wars fan. I was like, I, I know where that is. So I got really excited there. We have um, seen a gauntlet fighter in the trailer, like cruising over the wreckage of Sundari. So I, th I think Bo-Katan will change her mind and follow yeah. Din to I, Sundari, I, I which I think so. I don't think we're seeing the next episode. I think that's going to be episode three, just based on like where the rest of the of the plot of the episode uh, takes us. But I, I agree with everything about Bo-Katan. I think it was the most surprising thing to me that she was that her forces melted away like i thought she would still have some loyal followers like Costa reeves maybe but the fact that she was deserted by people after failing to get the dark saber it's it's such an indictment of the way that mandalor mandalorian society has has clung to these outdated ideals of like oh you have to you have to have a special sword to be the one to lead everyone you have to you have to you should never take off your helmet or you're or you're not mandalorian you're not a mandalorian all these arbitrary rules that are stifling them and holding them back from uh it, from flourishing really uh even while the empire is gone now and we have a new republic in place they're still all fractured and separate because they're still hanging on to this stuff and it's just a really great allegory, just a really great exploration yeah. of like religious trauma, and to see, to see uh, what it, it, I love the way it reflects on Din's story as well, because like you said, you know, he just he just cares about getting back in in his in his clubhouse. Basically, he just mm -hmm. he wants to be part of that group again, even though they don't really seem to have much love for him. It's no, it's all he knows. To do with them. You know, like the um, first time he took his helmet off, it was a scary experience for him. Like, well, like to another person, to Grogu that was a traumatic experience because it was a severing of their connection and then when he recommitted himself if anything to to that to oh i i must follow the rules of my covert even if i'm not a mandalorian if anything he he probably feels he was rewarded for that in a cosmic sense because grogu was re grogu returned to him after that so it's just it's an interesting uh it's an interesting place he's in now and also bokatan i feel like I, if anything i'm a lot less concerned about where Bo-Katan's story is going because I think a lot of us were concerned that they might go a bit Daenerys Targaryen with her like yeah, you know her Game villain. of Thrones season yeah like just kind of like villainize her make her go back to just how she was in the Clone Wars but they've really kind of diffused any of that worry for me because she's she's not so much angry that she doesn't have the Darksaber as as very disillusioned by the fact that so much of her society is still clinging to these ideals mm. and almost kind of deflated about the fact that, well, she kind of helped bring this on. She was part of Death Watch. Death Watch wanted to go back to the old ways of, of Mandalore that her sister, Duchess Satine, didn't want to follow. And the result, it cost them everything. You know, their, their society was fractured. Uh, you know, Maul usurped mm. the throne. There was war. The Empire s took over and, like, uh, wrecked their planet, ravaged it, uh, as we I keep would... hearing in the story. I would not be surprised if in like maybe a few months or so we get like a we get like one of those Disney Plus playlists where it's like Bo Katan episodes. Yeah, yes, I would I love can that. See that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Something I'd also be really curious to see later in this season is more detail on like why the watch is so like strung together by these beliefs why do they believe you can't take your helmet off and if you do you're not a man learn anymore i would be yeah. interested in in getting more detail on that how they formed stuff like that but i do like the parallels there where even though bo-katan is like 
oh no, the watch is a cult, and these are like the more like relaxed quote unquote rules. She still is strung by those beliefs of clinging yeah. to the dark saber. And like oh, if I don't have that the dark line. saber, I'm nothing. There's that line where she says to 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 Din, "You lead them, then wave that thing around, and they'll do whatever you say." That's yeah. just like it's such a great indictment of how, mm-hmm. like the man, the Mandalorians are like they're being like like that. Din also like we talked earlier about Din saying, "Oh, he defaulted defaulted to his own programming, literally spelling his arc out and being none the wiser for it." And it's the same with all of the Mandalorians. They they're very insightful of other people, but they're completely clueless as to like what's going on with with themselves. Uh, and hopefully, this story is about. It, well, we. It seems very clear that this season is going even further in that direction of, you know, you need to move past these outdated ideas. You need to keep the core of of what's of what matters about it, but you can't you can't hang on to stuff that's holding that's holding you back and keeping you from becoming a better version of yourself. Yeah. Which I think segues nicely into like the IG-11 of it all. Oh, yeah. We get to Navarro, and on the way there, oh, I got so excited. Because you're going in the hyperspace. I almost all, forgot! Great fucking shot of, of Din and Grogu oh my in God. the hyperspace. But then, we get the motherfucking space whales! Oh my god. I, the, I the way my jaw dropped. I lost it. My lungs. My that moment dropped. and the moment there was that one specific moment in bad in the newest Bad Batch episode. Those two moments, I lost it. Mm-hmm. I got it's so, so beautifully excited. shot. Like just I I just love it. It's so cool. Like the Pergil are such a, a, a they're one of the coolest contributions rebels has done in terms of like creatures overall like the way they interact with the environment around them and the force and just the way it was shot with them in silhouettes just appearing in uh just the way and the way that the the n1's size the scale of it was was used to just show how massive these things are it's great because we've never seen that kind of thing done with hyperspace before it's always been just like a corridor of light that the ships go through you know and it's not really we've not seen this kind of like expanded upon i think recently until high republic uh with the way with the paths and and the hyperspace prospectors and all that so it's just it's really cool for this episode not only to like give us this really awesome moment of like rebels fan service that's also setting up ahsoka no doubt but it's also kind of like showing us look there's so much more we don't understand about this galaxy like we Mm -hmm. like look how big these things are look at like how much there is we don't understand about hyperspace it's 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 awesome i loved it yeah this is definitely gonna be like a little like you think these are cool just wait till ahsoka because they're going to be a lot more important there and to all the people crying on tiktok about space wells not being canon you're wrong uh, because this is you're oh, so wrong. The cartoons aren't canon. Well, they're in Mando now. So what do you think there? Also, I'm so glad that we weren't around for Book of Boba Fett because then we would have had to address the Favreau uh, and Filoni are going to retcon the sequels by having uh, Grogu take Yoda's saber. And I'm like, no, they're not. Why was that ever a topic of discussion? But then there was that moment in me that was like kind of terrified. That it was for a bit. I'm like, they're not gonna do that, right? And just and in then, case, like anyone's concerned about them, like retconning stuff further, here's like literally the Anzellans popping up, uh, voiced again by Shirley Henderson, yep. which was awesome. Loved I love, I love that she came uh, back to voice all of them. 
Yeah. Um. So we get to Navarro after the the cool, cool ass Pergil shot, which again, that's a like a wallpaper or like a piece of art, like a painting waiting to happen right there. Is that shot with the Pergil? But we get to Navarro, Beautiful. and like you said, we just the theme park aesthetic that this place has now of just just a new like utopia, this new trading outpost. Uh, as Grief says, independent from the New Republic. But just so much disrespect to the New Republic. Like, they don't, <laughs> no one gives a fuck about the New Republic at this point because the Mandalorian has done a pretty good, again, they, they're ignoring the sequels. They're doing a good job at showing early on, at least, of why the New Republic was so easily overtaken by the First Order. Because, one, it doesn't uh, have the same respect in the galaxy as the Old Republic did. Two, they just, they're just showing, like, oh, they're there. They're, like, we see them in, like, a every time the New Republic shows up so far in Mando, it's been in, like, a, an inconvenient nuisance type of way. And it just shows that they're not fully there yet, and they're not garnering the respect and the fact that all these remnants of the Empire are still out there. Like, they're not the big galactic government that uh, the Galactic Republic was before uh, the Clone Wars and before the Empire. But we get there and we get grief again. Just majestic outfit. And maybe my favorite part of the whole episode, the 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 droids carrying his cape. That is so <laughs> Star Wars. I, oh, got, I, love it. I was like, oh my God, that's fantastic. When they, when they bounced down the stairs, that was brilliant. I love that. I was it's like, a great oh little God. detail. Is Grief Karga my new favorite character just because he's got cape droids i'm like this is this is fantastic and again the set design whether this was the volume all the volume or whether this was some built stuff it looks fantastic yeah they're really meshing it with like a greater scope of of practical sets like there was so much of the navarro set that was clearly mm -hmm. practical and had been like actually put there uh there was a lot of puppetry as well like <laughs> like the quacky monkey okay, lizards what, in the tree yeah yeah I see i see mm-hmm. no like <laughs> I, I, I know i know that it's like it's it's great that they're not being put in boxes and cooked and eaten i mean why anyone would eat those things is just beyond me but like yeah uh i wasn't as happy to see them in trees because you know i kind of don't like those things they, they, oh. they annoy me <laughs> oh. if salacious crumb shows up I'll be don't I'll like believe. him. Don't love, like that I guy. Um, I, I, I do think it would have been hilarious though if in like a book of Boba Fett he just pops up in the throne room at one yeah, point like and his, just starts like jumping his little on hand Boba. Just, his little hand just like off. climbs out of the wreckage of like the, <laughs> the of Jabba's. That would have been mode. funny, but I the just, Terminator I, he's like I, <laughs> That's always been one of the like Jabba's Palace things that I've never been a huge fan of, and I might get crucified on Twitter for saying this because I know people love Salacious B. Crumb, but he's always been like he's been like the what the certain section of the prequel haters think about Jar Jar Binks for me, like most of my life. He just bothers me. But I'll just say this the fact that you can beat him up in uh the Skywalker saga video game was just like haven't Perfect. done it yet. Best boss battle in uh in the the Skywalker saga overall. <laughs> Again, you want to talk about like oh you know it, the prequel hate was never like this. I want to remind people that when Lego Complete Saga the one from 07 came out, 
there was an achievement on that game for killing Jar Jar Binks a certain amount of times would get you an achievement. I totally forgotten about I, that. I, I, I did not know that. that. What yeah. the heck? Because oh I God. had the guide for it when I was younger, and it had a list of all the achievements. It was like this one, break Jar Jar Binks 50 times. And I'm like, okay, easy achievement. I'll do that. God but damn remember, it, Traveler's like, Tales. Remember that <laughs> that's what the, the, the state of prequel hatred was like in 2007. So I don't want to hear that ever again, that sequel hate. Uh, is much bigger than prequel hate ever was because it's it's just a lie. But we get there, and immediately when you get to Navarro, you see this big statue of IG-11. And when he showed up in the previous end, I'm like, are they bringing back Taika? Like, I just wasn't expecting it. And then I'm like, okay, maybe they're just showing it because they're going to have this scene where Din's like, you remember that guy? He was your friend, IG-11. He He died. But then he's like, okay, no, I need IG-11 because I need a droid I can trust if I'm going to Mandalore. I'm like, okay, I was not expecting that. Admittedly, that I was like, okay, that's a different direction they're going in. Uh, Din tries to fix him himself. It's like, oh, we got it. But then goes haywire, reverts back to his original programming. Very and, Terminator yeah, with the clawing exactly. hands. Yeah. And, and he gets killed via uh, Grief's head, head bust falling on him. During that scene, I was just like, Din, you're shooting at him. You have the dark saber. Just whip that thing out and go like that. I mean, uh, and maybe he didn't want to like uh mess him up any more than he already had. But yeah, you mentioned the bust. That was hilarious. Yeah. Like I I just, I really like the design of that like that protocol droid. I think that's the first time they've had that head design uh oh, for yeah, a protocol droid. It was also very I cool. loved the all white one that we had in the Yeah, in the, city. the guide one. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. I just I, I like the fact that we got some protocol droids in that we didn't need to have like a shoehorned three PO cameo in here, and it was just like different protocol droids. I, I loved that. But I feel it's coming at some point. I feel like we could get a three PO cameo in in Mandalorian. We've if had they do it. Like I, I won't be upset if it's like how it was in Kenobi, where R two and three PO are just chilling in the background of the scene on Alderaan, uh, and they don't like focus on them that much. Like I would be fine with that because. The, when that episode came out, I didn't even know R2 was in it until I saw it on Twitter no, and I had to go back and like rewatch the scene like twice before I found him again. Like 3PO, I think he's got the one line. But R2, I was like, oh, hold on. I got to go back and see this. But they bring him to... Uh, we brought it up earlier. But Groove's like, oh, I got just the people that can fix this droid for you. <laughs> That was an accident. Uh, what do you I, want? I'm so excited. I, I love so I love the Anzellan so I much, love man. The Anzellan so much. They're so good. They're so everything funny. from this, just the little, the little like workshop. Grief sticking his head out. Din, Din sitting like, down, cross-legged, like oh, you need to fix him. Uh, and just and grief just one. like coming in, like just giving, like telling him what they're saying, even though he can hear what they're saying, like oh. Yeah. I need to be fixed. He said it needs to. He said the memory circuit needs to be fixed. I know. <laughs> I just love the fact that there was a bunch of them, and yes, I'm upset that one of them. I mean, maybe one of them is Babu Frick. Maybe he'll show up. But like, I love, like you said, the fact that they're all voiced by Shirley uh, Shirley Henderson, aka Moaning Myrtle, was is just great that she's still voicing all of them. And I love the fact that they all have different voices and everything. Yeah. I love one of them that said. Uh, 
he said, uh, my favorite Anakin Skywalker line. And just... That... I just... Anakin was angry with you and broke the button. Yeah. I had that bit prepared. Um, oh my god. Uh, yeah. Pudu made a, a comeback, and so did Dank Ferrick. So that's how we know that we're back in the Mandoverse is is yeah. we're getting the Star Wars swears. If we get the one from Book of Boba that I just hated, I'm gonna get mad again. Like the, yeah, it's kind of it's a bit much. The the like yeah. the Star Wars version of Pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, the I just calling the stifling slime. Yeah, I hate it because it just it stops the episode dead for like five seconds <laughs> long because Boba's got, I'm like okay, just it was get done. Through. It was a little bit better implemented in in season two. It it served a purpose, but yeah, it was it was a little uh, it was a little excessive. But they my also favorite, I think they also had didn't say scud as well. Yeah, my like, favorite headcanon is that they tried sneaking like that into like one of the Andor scripts, and Tony Gilroy just said, "I'm not fucking doing this." <laughs> he just he just gave them a Wednesday style yeah. glare like. I mean that's the thing. Like I that we said we said before about like the other shows, and I I loved Andor last year. I think and Andor and Obi Wan constantly jockeyed for like position number one in my favorite Star Wars stuff last year. But I just one thing that I think Mando has in Spades is that kind of like pulpiness that Star Wars has also excelled at. You know, and there wasn't a lot of room for that in Andor by necessity of the story. So like you know there weren't a lot of situations for you to have the goofy aliens aside from you know my boys the absolute there is narkinians the, there is the one probably the funniest mo- actually no not probably definitely the funniest moment for me in all of andor it's tubes yeah, yeah. that kills me man yeah. that kills uh, me so much yeah Holy like listen basically so much inside baseball to it yeah Luther pulled a uh, an Among Us strat there. You know, oh, it's Tubes who's sus. It's Tubes. <laughs> no, he, I'm not was, sus. No, I'm not I was, sus. Uh, I'm going to send something in the server that because that just reminded me of something. Yeah. I was in the med bay. Uh, <laughs> but that Grogu bear-hugging the Anzellan. Yes! Oh, my God, it was that so was, I was dying. That was hilarious. Don't worry, he's young. He's young. No squeeze, no squeeze. Bad baby. I'm sorry, he's young. It's like that man's older than you. And then Grogu just like reaches over again. I just thought it's like so adorable and hilarious at the same time. That's like that's probably my favorite like uh, comedy moment from the episode. I loved it. I just adore I... it. <laughs> Squeezy. I um that mo- I rewatched just that moment from because I needed, I, I admittedly needed just a, a, a refresh of like adorable Grogu moments in my life before Mando came back. So I rewatched from the heiress when he's playing with the frog baby. And I'm just like, Ugh! and then we got that again here with the Anzellans. I'm just like, he's so like, now we're going to. I have a buddy who's as, almost as big as me. Yes, I want to hug him. Like, like I, 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 apparently some people on online thought that he was trying to eat the Anzellan, which like, what I the thought hell? He was, I thought he was trying to kill it at first, but then I. <laughs> I saw he was hugging him. Um, also, just Grogu just chilling in the magistrate chair earlier, just swindle, swiveling around 
with the little like red nut things. I'm like, that's my fucking I mean, guy right we there. We can't all pretend that that's not something we'd all do if we. That's could literally use the us. If like, I was like five, I'd just be like <laughs> swiveling in the chair the whole time. You're like doing uh, king shark noises. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like how John Favreau and Dave Filoni like saw those like death battle like Babu Frick versus Grogu tweets, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna do that. Like it's right, we're doing that. Sorry, guys, it's happening. Yeah, fatality. Uh, Grogu wins by bear hug. But then we get to more, just like again, if this wasn't pulpy enough, we're like, this can only happen in Star Wars. It's like Mando sitting in a in, in a miniature workshop with a bunch of mini Anzellan creatures with a baby Yoda trying to hug them to death. We then get pirate crew, and I gotta say, when I saw pirate crew full of weakways, I was like. They're I not, thought there were. Wait, are they Weequays or Nictos? There was a Nicto. Okay. Like yeah, the lead Bane. guy was a Nicto. Oh, okay. But the then Nicto, there were a bunch yeah. of Weequays in the background, and I was like, "You look great, by the way." The prosthetics on Vane, Vane? looked fantastic. Yeah, it his took eyes me a second, were really. But yeah. I, I, because I was like, the eyes look a little like. It took me out of it at first, but upon like looking at it more, and the more it was in the episode. I was like, okay, no, I really like it because they they clearly made it to where it's like you're going to be an important character in this episode, so we got to make sure this looks great. And I think it looked really like because the the lack of no the nose or the like the real flat nose took me out a little bit because I I don't remember how many times we've seen Nikto's like that in live action, but it looked really good. Um, but there were a couple weak ways in the background. I was like, wait a minute, are we gonna? Because they said because they were like, oh. The leader of our crew, and I'm like, don't tell me. And then they said the other guy's name. I'm like, okay, well, no, it, I knew it was too good to be true. Um, but I just love this scene where it just shows the evolution of Grief Karga, where it's like, oh, this this bar or this school used to be uh, the the bar that we would all drink. It's like, I want to drink. It's like, uh, tell whatever. What was the captain's name again? Vane. Yeah, I know Vane, but like who is his boss? Oh, Gorian Shard. Gorian Shard. Great name for a crime uh, boss. Pirates also... are no longer welcome on Navarro. And I just love it. Yeah. And I just love Din's like, is there a problem here? And then just the way he just immediately takes them all out, except yeah, for like, I'm like I love the way he leaned uh, against the tree. Like, you know this, you know this man can't wait to get involved uh, and like put these guys in their place. And see, like yeah. he doesn't he only just like shoots one of them as well, because like grief is still so on it that uh Dinal just needed to like drop one of them and i think it's what i really liked as well because like it shows the it, it serves the theme of the story again because you know you see grief he was a he was a disgraced magistrate as as uh moff gideon refers to him at the end of season one but now he's a high magistrate and he's he's built this community up with the people and you know what's great what's cool about that is that he's not lost his edge like you see that th despite all the frills and the fancy outfit he pulls it away and there's the gun and he's still quick on the draw he shoots Vane's gun out of his hand he drops three of Vane's buddies uh just single-handedly you know it, it's just it's a really cool narrative and it shows that you know he can he can better himself and care more without having to become like a, a weaker person physically it's just it's, it's a cool it's a cool showing for grief and it gives him in this nice position within the thematics of the series yep I, I i definitely agree with that so they gotta go get this memory core so 
We gotta we gotta have a little bit of a stop before we go into Mandalore because we gotta we gotta get this thing. So didn't I have my borrow. theories about how they're gonna do this, how they're gonna get this memory circuit, but I'll I'll cover that later. So we we get there and then oh pirates come back. It's like you're not escaping us, and then we just get a really awesome dogfight, which I just loved. <laughs> was I was I the only one who was like thinking that he, they should have just killed Vane rather than letting him go? Because I understood the reason, but I was but I was still just sitting there like just kill him. You no, kill I was him. fully expecting everyone. <laughs> I'm happy body. that they didn't kill him. Just yeah. because of the fact that we got to hear a vast Mandalorian in yeah. Star Wars. Oh, a vast Mandalorian. It's great. Just, just uh, like, like the fact that that word's in, in Star Wars now, just incredible. And Proper pirate slang. Another like only in Star Wars. Because we get the, first of all, it was awesome just to see the N1 in a space battle. So cool, so cool, so cool. But then only in Star Wars because we get introduced to the the pirate captain, and it's this mix of Swamp Thing and like the Grinch and something out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. He's got like trees growing on him. You get a vast Mandalorians, and then Din just we think you screwed. He just speeds up, yeah, goes right just, past him. He's like, I I've got time for this shit. I I've I've got I've got a droid part to find, and I and need you know to. What? Catch it with my girl, Bo-Katan. You know what all the pirates were thinking? Yeah, okay, I finally got a chance to... (laughs) Finally got a chance. They were very upset. Before I talk about the chase scene, I'm going to revive a segment that we did in Andor, which was Who Watch, uh, because believe it or not, there is a Doctor Who connection with Gorian Shard. So I don't know if he's physically played by the actor, but he's voiced by... uh, non nonsa i believe is the uh is the actor's name and he play you know he's most known for playing a character in season two of game of thrones i think zaro is his name he was in uh i think he was in essos uh he interacted with daenerys a lot um but he also had a role in doctor who uh i'm gonna send andrew the image right now uh, i believe All i right. sent it earlier <laughs> but uh he actually vo- provided the voice for um the character's name hydra flax oh, is it uh, our funky guy from yeah hang from, on this all right i got i think i got the i'm image. sending it now yeah like so hydra flax uh the physical actor who played hydra flax because uh, hydra flax had three performers uh the first was the this british comedian craig davis who pl- played the head there was a physical actor who who played the robot body who played one of the narkinians in andor and now we have nonzo anozi who voiced the robotic parts and he's he is the voice of Gorian Shard. So we yeah. just need I just so, we, I just need Greg Davis to come in again, and complete. If you, were, the if you remember this guy from the Andor recaps, yeah, he's back. If you're watching the video, we're two for two for Hydroflax uh, guest spots in Star Wars. I just need Greg Davis to come in, play a Star Wars character, and then you've got the Hydroflax trilogy there. Who, but that who ends watch the who making, watch who watch making a triumphant return on the Mandalorian season three. Uh, but we mentioned we we focused a lot on the Bo-Katan scene earlier, so I don't think we need to touch on it much. I I do love, like we said though, how jaded she feels at this point. Yeah, like you said, I don't think she's going to be the villain. I think there's going to be some tension at first. She might play a little bit of an antagonistic role, but I think they're going to team up eventually. Uh, if anything, I see the armor being the 
the villain, quote unquote, of the season more than Bo Katan, or even Gideon's still out there. So who knows? Um, but I loved getting to see the the planet, all the rain, the throne room looked so freaking it's cool. So cool. I love That's the design so cool. of uh oh. how do you say Kavala? Yeah, Kalavala. I Kalavala. Oh, Kalavala. Kalavala. So I believe Kalavala. that's the pronunciation. Okay. Is this Kalavala. the first time we've seen it on screen, or was it also I in? Think so. Yeah, I don't think we've really seen it in cool. any other media. Yeah, because I, I believe cool. this is, I think, the home planet of Clan Kree's. Uh, but it looks great, and just the yeah, shots of her on the throne, lads. La I mean, come on. I mean. I mean, tell me that's not the most badass person you've ever seen. She just blew Darth Maul out of the water exactly. when it comes to, like, awesome just throne posing. Awesome throne like... pose. I'm like, I need, I, I need a statue of that immediately so I can just you, put it on my desk. Because, you can't tell me again, that Din just didn't again, look at that. Again, like, come on. Yeah. Life-changing right there. Ah. I feel like... Yeah, yeah. Like Din, I feel like you, know, you can't tell me that Din didn't uh, just walk in, see her sat on the throne like that, and be like, you know, we could always just like we could always just unite the clans together. Like, yeah. you could share custody of the dark saber because a you little, know, little, you, you're little kind of awesome. moment there. Exactly. You could have it on weekends. <laughs> I wonder if they're gonna do something like that where they like find a way I mean, to both wield. The, the poster uh, has like them saber. both on either side. I just, I kind of feel like, and, and the that makes you think, well, it's like, oh, it's going to be a fight for the dark saber. I just don't. I, it might be that for an episode, but I don't think that's going to be the main theme of the season no. because I just, I don't see them reverting Bo-Katan back to a villain, especially now that they've given her dual billing with Pedro yeah. Pascal. I just and think. What a glow up in terms of like your female leads to get Katie Sackhoff to come in like this this woman who has already got like this impressive like sci-fi uh, background among fans with Battlestar Galactica to have her mm -hmm. come on get to like really dig into the psychology of this character that she's been voicing for like over 10 years. It's, it's just it's such an awesome thing to see her get to be there. She looks great uh, in the armor. I love that they've given her the more kind of like uh accurate hairstyle the way looks way better this season bo-katan way better like honestly bo-katan's story like how it went however it ends i think is gonna definitely be one of the most like underrated yeah. or sort of i want to say underrated underrated but like flies under the radar yeah star wars she's one of my all-time favorite star wars characters and i really hope that they do not like. Don't kill her this season. I'm just gonna say it right now. I, I'll be very it's like, surprised oh, if they do that. Might end. Just don't do it. Just don't. They, she's got more to do, and especially if you do lean in the villain side, don't do it because I'll be pissed because you revert the mm -hmm. character back to being a villain when her whole Clone Wars story was the fact that she realized the the how wrong Death Watch was. Uh, and how it split her apart from her sister, and it was it was once she realized it, it was too late because then Satine was was killed by Maul. And uh, remember, guys, there's still time for Kate Blanchett to be cast as Satine in something. There, it's I mean, there's still you could time. always do a, a Kenobi season two and find a way to include that in flashbacks. That they're, they're, just saying. Um, but you mentioned uh, glow up and female leads. Um, yeah, if, you we, if you want, if you want to, if you want to call what that was in, uh, in uh, season one and two, 
we got the the great line of like, oh, what happened to uh, Marshall uh, June? Yeah, Marshall Dune. It's like, oh yeah, they recruited her for some New Republic thing. I mean, it makes sense. It's, yeah. it's I, I was impressed with how efficient it was. Honestly, I was like, I, I was expecting like uh, they yeah, didn't overthink it. Crash like, blew up. I was expecting something really petty. If I'm being as honest, as much as we, yeah, as much as we've all kind of like had our had a laugh at the expense of like uh, Gina Carano's politics and like her absence from the Mandalorian. <laughs> as much as we've had all that fun, I I I'm, in, no I'm glad that they about. took the hype. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we've all. I, yeah, I, don't I think know we're who, all blocked. Uh, I, ha- I think Twitter. I've, I think I've just like that. I don't kind of remember the name I've just said, but uh, yeah, I, I've definitely been blocked. <laughs> they've they've covered. They handled that very. Uh, they handled it in a very mature sense. They did it in a way that was that felt authentic to the character, and they basically handled it within five seconds. So they yeah. didn't overthink it, and, and then that's we got really good. some more uh, background on what happened with Gideon for those that didn't catch it in Book of Boba because I completely oh, forgot. He's Connor brought that up. Broken out, yeah. Oh, he's one hundred percent getting broken out. We know uh, Connor Shakiti is on Coruscant or Hosnian Prime or or yeah. uh, wherever they are right now, so we know he's going to help break Gideon out. But for those that missed the the, the line in Boba Fett, because I apparently did, because I didn't remember it. Uh, they bring up that he what is what was the the wording the New Republic like tribunal tribunal so he's yeah. he's locked up there he's uh, probably on Coruscant I would assume unless of course they or they well we have the Coruscant, Coruscant looking planet yeah. in the trailer which, which I think is I think it is definitely I think Coruscant. it is but there's there's like that slim chance it's Hosnian Prime. Um, There's probably going to be a line about Hosnian Prime that they're moving the new the re- New Republic. As a whole, as a system, to Hosnian Prime, but it's probably. I imagine. I mean, this is just a quick theory. Maybe he gets. He's being transferred to Hosnian Prime from Coruscant, and the Imperial Remnant, you know, like acts then and breaks him out because he's got valuable information. Uh, you know, it would be but, cool. You know, it would be really cool go on. If, if we want to talk about more uh, tidbits and adding a bit more of the New Republic politics to the show. You know, who's Chancellor of the New Republic at this point? Mon frickin' Mothma. Uh, Genevieve. I wouldn't mind again? seeing her show up. That would be really kind of cool. It would be a nice kind of like thing. We've seen her under such pressure and seen her so like, so, just such emotional pressure and like just in. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's perfect, Connor. I have uh, to. Yeah. For anyone who who is just listening and no video, yeah. Uh, Connor now goes by the tagline Dr. Pershing, as he it, should. It, I'm not even kidding you. There was some interview that he did that I saw, and like it still genuinely scares me how much he and I look alike. It really does. I want right. to do Love like it. if there's ever a chance we're like we theory. should get him on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. If like, anyone ever like, gets that, just you can do like the like the mirror, like the. <laughs> we just gotta do a side by side, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like maybe have have start it off with like him in the place that you're usually in, and then uh, you pop in, and we're like, wait, which one's the real Connor? Yeah, it's like, oh, Palpatine. this is getting out of hand. Now there's two of them. Now there's two of them. Palpatine did uh, Doctor Pershing a favor, and he let Doctor Pershing borrow his uh, cloning stuff, so we could get a clone of Doctor Pershing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So jokes aside, I thought it was a really strong start to the season. I'm excited to see where this goes. I uh, get our little uh, see how we get this memory core. Don, if you just want to share your uh, where you where you think it's going before we wrap things up, and then we yeah. can get on out of here. 
so like the quick the theory i kind of am pursuing now because i feel like episode two apparently episode two is really good uh because they, they screen that at the at the premiere and critics have raved about the second episode but i be surprised if we go to Mandalore in the second episode because I feel like no. the second one is going to be resolving episode three at the earliest. Yeah, I think that's going to resolve uh, the process of fixing IG. So we're probably going to see that droid bar. But here's the thing: he said about the memory circuit, and they don't, and the fact that they don't make them anymore. Do you know what other droid uh, is like? Also, is an IG unit and is very famous within Star among Star Wars fans. IG eighty eight. There's five of those things. Uh, and they're very lethal, obviously. Like they're they're they're, they're even more dangerous than IG Eleven, apparently. Uh, but there's one person who is known for having taken those droids apart, and that's Boba Fett. So I feel like see the episode two, we're probably going to go to Tatooine. You know, Din is going to check in with Amy Sedaris, uh, with Pelimoto, get oh. get R five installed on his ship, oh. as we've seen in the trailer. You got You got to have your 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 Pelimoto. Hey, Mando. Gotta have uh, her show up, and then she is, and then he is also gonna check in with Boba Fett and ask where he can find IG88, which is probably gonna be like the big fight of of the next episode. He has to fight, take one of those droids down, get the circuit. Maybe Boba comes along with him for that episode to help him take down IG88. Because I feel like, I feel like John Favreau is the kind of Star Wars fan who would love to finally put that that scene that we all know was supposed to be an Empire finally put that a sort of a version of that scene on screen and have Boba Fett and Din fight an IG-88 droid. Anything to hear Tamara Morrison pronounce Tatooine again. That's Tatooine. All, that's all I need in my life. Hey, Din, I know where, uh, I know where an IG unit is. Do you want to go and uh, fight it together? Please, I need... Just drop I it need... in an incinerator. I, I mean, he's showing up. This, I think we all know him and Fennec are showing up. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited. So, Mando Season 3 off to a strong start. Thank you guys for joining us on the beginnings of our Mandalorian Season 3 recaps. If you missed it, uh, we have uh, announced our scheduling slate for the next uh, couple weeks as we deal with uh, two shows going on at once because we uh, are also going to still be continuing with our Bad Batch recaps. So Bad Batch recaps, we're going to be recording most weeks, unless things change. We're going and to Clone be doing, Wars. And Clone Wars. We haven't Wars forgotten. That, we have not forgotten. <laughs> but we normally, uh, where we normally would be recording our Bad Batch recaps on Thursdays uh, and then uploading them on Friday, that's going to be the case with Mandalorian now instead. We're going to give it the priority first. So I dropped this on Twitter and Instagram. So... Fridays uh, at noon, we're going to drop our Mando episodes. Saturdays, most weeks, will be Bad Batch. And then bi-weekly, every other week, is what we're aiming for. But God, who knows what, at this point. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, you know, early portion of the week, we'll be dropping our uh, Clone Wars uh, installments for our main show. That little asterisk at the bottom says, always subject to change. That's very important because there are weeks that... We definitely will not be following the schedule. But again, just to recap, Fridays, uh, we'll be doing the, recording these on Thursdays, uploading them on Fridays will be Mando. Saturday will be Bad Batch. So don't be confused if you see uh, Mandalorian recap go up when Bad Batch normally would. Uh, we're just going to be doing Mandos on Fridays, Bad Batch on Saturdays. We would be getting them to you earlier, but scheduling is tight for a lot of us. So this is what's going to be the best for our schedules. So yeah, we got some 
stuff coming up soon that we're excited about. Uh, as for these uh, this week, uh, where can everyone find you guys? Right, you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead, uh, where I tweet uh, a lot about Star Wars, also some Marvel DC stuff, yeah, occasionally politics as well. You can also find me on TikTok at Donovan McComish. Same handle I use for Hive. Uh, I've been I've taken a break from doing TikToks. So I'm planning to do some more of that. Uh, Instagram, you can find me at Donovan underscore McComish. And uh, like Connor and Andrew, you can also find me on SWEditorIG.com. I write articles along with the, along with these other guys. Uh, my most recent article was some speculation about uh, where they could, what they could do with Obi-Wan Kenobi Season 2. And also like Connor and Andrew, I am part of SW Editor Fiction. It is a series of short stories, uh, webcomics, and... Uh, also web animation where we are we we tell our own sort of potentially <laughs> potentially i should ask we'll, we'll asterisk yeah we'll see but it, it's a collection of fan stories that try to stay within the confines of what's canon though we do also appropriate some uh elements from star the star wars legends timeline uh for our, for the purposes of our stories we've i've written one story uh that released last year in june it was called scars of war uh, it stars a clone trooper and a Jedi that have both survived the Clone Wars and Order, and Order 66. And they've got a bit of trauma to deal with. Uh, if you like Star Wars and pain, definitely check it out. Yeah, everything he just said. Uh, Connor, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Banana. Same username as Hive. I talk Star Wars and sometimes Philly sports when they're going on. Um, where else? Uh, oh, I co-host another podcast. I have like all the links for like what my, for what I'm a part of, like right in front of me on my phone. And I still forget. Um, I co-host over at the Nerd Academy podcast with uh, a guest we've had on here for the Republic, uh, Jared the Dark Jedi. You can find us over at on YouTube, Instagram. Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Um, I write. I also am a question writer and co-host for Star Wars in a Galaxy Epic Confrontations, Star Wars Fan Trivia League I'm a part of, that Don's also a part of. Um, it's really fun getting to write questions. I'm very evil when it comes to it, and I like mm -hmm. it because it's fun. Um you can find you can find our latest episodes over at the Star Wars in a Galaxy podcast YouTube channel. Our latest episode was Jared the Dark Jedi versus Bill Sheehy. Uh, it wasn't without a bit of controversy. Oh, did that but, drop? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't it, that dropped. Yeah, no, it dropped on today is Thursday. I think it dropped on Tuesday. Um, and then like Don and potentially Andrew sweditorig.com slash fiction. I work with these guys on that stuff. Um, I don't have any stories published yet. I do, have a, I do have some in the works. One that is coming out in like this month, I think. Uh, it's called The Knight's Welcome. It stars everyone's favorite ginger Jedi, Cal Kestis. Not everyone, but like that's a generalization, but you knew that. Bar Jade. <laughs> um... <laughs> and it is set actually you know what i don't even know when it's going to be set 
because I've heard some stuff about Valscars that might make me send it after. Who knows? We'll figure that out. Get us those art copies, Lucas. <laughs> but yeah, a faithful. Yeah, it's just it's 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 short. I'm rambling. Andrew, where can they find you? Uh, as for myself, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the like at Starlight Andrew. Uh, I'm yeah. Connor mentioned Jared earlier. We have something coming up on this podcast feed very soon. A little special collab. Uh, so stay tuned to that. We were supposed to record it last weekend. It didn't get to that, so we'll record it again uh, fairly soon. Uh, as for the podcast itself, you can find us on Twitter at For the Repub Pod and on Instagram and TikTok at For the Republic Pod. Stay tuned to our socials for when updates on the show uh, are dropping. There's going to be a lot soon, so make sure you stay tuned to our social media feeds. Um, and then our YouTube channel, For the Republic Podcast, subscribe there. We're close to 50 subs, which means we're halfway there to our 100 sub goal. Get us there because then we can start doing live streams and all that fun stuff, and it'll really help us out if you help us get there because a lot of what we have planned hedges on getting to that goal for this year. So uh, it would just make us the happiest people in the world, and it would be a great way to support us. Uh, also leave us reviews on uh, the google app store and uh the apple app store because those help us out a lot as well uh for just getting more eyes on the podcast uh our clone wars coverage we will be back hopefully next week with our ryloth arc to finish off season one and the first quote-unquote season of the for the republic main show and then tomorrow we'll be recording bad batch that'll probably just be don and i but who knows and that will drop on saturday because it'll be friday when you're listening to this now so thank you for joining us for the beginning of our mandalorian coverage we'll see you back here next week and as always this is the way this is the this way, is the way.